Weirdo Bookworms Unite! We want to share our love of genre fiction with you. Fans of horror, sci-fi, fantasy, and more can stop by as we chat about what we've been reading. Hello and welcome to a special episode of Genre Junkies. I'm one of your hosts, Sandra, and tonight's episode is going to be a little bit different. First of all, Scott's going to be providing just, just a tad of color commentary because he very deliberately did not read this book. Instead, welcome Jen, friend of the show, been on a couple times. Hi, Jen. Hello. It's she's be back. back. Yay, she's back. Yay. Joining Ooh. us for, of course, a horror episode in the month of Halloween. So this book is not exactly a traditional horror book, but um, a lot of people still categorize it as horror because it is horrifying. So Jen. Yes. You remember back last Halloween when we read Penlight, and that was to me the worst thing I'd ever read. <laughs> yes. You, rem- you remember? Yes. And you said, oh, well, we need to read Haunted. Right. No, I was going to say, I think I prompted the reading of this book and now it being on your podcast. Yes. So you're welcome, world. (laughs) (laughs) The fruits of your labor have come to fruition a year later. Is is Penlight still the worst thing you've ever read? You know, for me, I think it was. All right. All right. I think part of it was because it was the first of this kind of shocking stuff I'd read. Um. And I never forget your first time. (laughs) (laughs) And I just felt so bad for that girl. (laughs) Um, But this is pretty awful. Right. Pretty darn awful. So before we get too far into it, I'm going to give a synopsis and um, something I like to call the warning speech. So Haunted by Chuck Palahniuk. 23 mysterious strangers meet up for a writer's retreat a three-month stint at an undisclosed location to write their masterpieces. What ensues may be literary genius, but is also a gory, disgusting, disturbing, satirical mess. Pretty accurate? Yeah, I'd say so. That's very succinct. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> From everything I've read, they, they tend to go into a little bit more detail, but I like that. It's no, because like- I, I don't want to give it all away. No. I don't want to no. show the whole hand here. <laughs> Absolutely. So welcome to Sandra's warning speech. Here's the thing. If you've not heard of Haunted, I, I'd be very surprised. This book is famous. I- infamous, really. Because it is quite possibly the most disturbing thing most people have read. Um, I couldn't give you trigger warnings. <laughs> because every freaking thing is going to be horrible to someone. Yeah. Like, you name it, this book, like, has it. It is disturbing. It is grotesque. It is utterly horrifying, but it is so funny. Oh my gosh, my face hurt from laughing during this book. And it's kind of profound. Mm-hmm. I just want to jump in here. Sandra was giggling from the couch while reading this book. And I don't know if that's concerning for me. Or, or an actual appropriate response to this book, but she was giggling with glee. Jen, you laughed. 
It depends on which story you're reading. A lot of it's a, re- really well, funny. You will, yeah, especially when we get to the, I think, the overarching story. Oh, it, my God. It's so hilarious, just the, the uh, what these people are doing, but we'll get into that later, but, Oh, yeah. yeah. But so, <laughs> oh, but I mean, that's basically just what I wanted to say, is this book is not for people who are, like, super sensitive, <laughs> and there's a lot of stuff in it that could really hurt and offend a lot of people. And so just really go into this kind of knowing there's taboo, horrible stuff in it. But if you're willing to take that journey and you think it's going to be okay for you, I do not think you're going to regret this. Also, the spoiler section is going to be profane. Um, (laughs) There's just no other way to put it. Because um, this is my first time reading Polinek, but he's profane. Mm -hmm. He swears a lot. Um, so consider an explicit tag on this episode. Yeah, explicit, dangerous content, handled with care, probably not an episode for children, though I know a lot of people under 18 probably read this book when it came out. Well, you, did you hear the story about a high school teacher who allowed a student to read the f- uh, first short story, Guts, which is the most well-known, in uh. her class out loud? And I mean, she no longer has, or he, he or she no longer has a job, from what I understand. Oh my God. No, I did not know that, but I think that teacher's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I think that teacher deserved to be fired. That is the one um, short story that I read. Well, yeah. and we're all, um, we were theater kids in our younger days, and Guts became became a monologue a lot of yeah. people audition for stuff with what oh yeah absolutely <laughs> oh, yeah. because it ranges the gamut of grotesque and hilarious and i think we are going to talk a little bit about guts before the spoiler section i think that's going to be our our lead off yeah it's the most well known and it's the, the only part of the book scott read <laughs> so real quick before we talk about guts um i'd like to hear jen what your genre junkie score for this book was yeah, um, well, this is my second time through with this book. Right. Uh, I read it the first time almost eight years ago, I oh think. Oh, my God. It's been a minute. Um, and I was a little bit concerned. Like, whenever you go into a reread, you're like, oh, is it everything I remembered it being? Like, uh, you know, I think definitely, like, different things stood out to me this time and affected me differently. But um, it was a page turner then. I would say it was a page turner now. So that's what I would give it for my 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 score. Ooh, that's really cool that it, it stood up for you. Um, so for me, this was an obsession. <laughs> I am absolutely obsessed with this book. Um, it it touched me emotionally, um, physically. I feel like it kind of probably spiritually, yeah. mentally. Uh, it, it ticked a lot of boxes for me. And was the type of horror that I think is maybe a little bit missing in my life sometimes. On last week's episode, I mentioned that you and I watched Terrifier. Oh, okay. And it's kind of like, I I don't want to compare the two because it's incomparable. But... Do you kind of get where I'm going with this? Like, Yeah, it, it gets you on like a visceral level yeah. of like, yes, this is exactly what I want. Exactly, where you're like... I mean, I think Chuck has more to say. Right. He's got a societal, psychological, sociological thing, but. Yes. Yeah. The cool thing is, is like, if you are that person who loves to like read into horror and or any sort of genre where like you want that deeper meaning, you can find it here. But you know what? If you don't want to find it, you don't have to either. (laughs) 
Like it can be, it, it can go either way, really. I, I like that you say that. So um, before we move on again, what do you think about his writing style, especially someone who's read other of his work and now read this twice? Well, I mean, you'll appreciate this because I I actually sort of in general hate this type of book. I I I hate On paper you should hate this. <laughs> I hate um yeah, I hate short story anthologies in general. I want to read like one continuous um novel narrative yeah narrative yes that's the word narrative Narrative. uh front uh to front to back but because he has these short stories tied together with the narrative it works and it's just like these little and and they're just long enough that you're like oh and you get to know these people and like and it ties back in in some way into what's happening into the narrative and like why they're doing this or you know it it works for me I totally agree with you. And I think the way that he writes, at least this book, um, since I haven't read others, it's like it's pre-formulated to be a page turner Mm -hmm. because you just each one bleeds into the next so easily. There's, you know, every of these people have a story of the pretty much the most horrific thing that they've done or that's happened to them. And it's all tied together by this narrative of them being trapped in this quote-unquote really bizarre writer's retreat which is basically a theater amazing yeah (laughs) but it has all of these um rooms that are like there's the arabian nights room themed yeah they're all themed there's like the mayan temple room and it's so bizarre and then there's a satirical bent to like they're on stage they're on camera they're being recorded you know they want to be famous from this ordeal they're going through just but they every- don't want to actually create something original. I mean, yeah. not um, they don't want to like well, they are creating their own story. They just don't even realize it. Yeah, because it, the whole thing is they're trying to create their they're each trying to create their own masterwork. But yeah. they're so busy trying to make like this story of what's happening to them at the retreat to be their masterwork. To that be the it's worst like, thing that this is the worst thing. But it, like you look at the other stories like, oh, no, you, you all have stories. <laughs> It's so true. And I I mean, I fall into this, you know, world that he talks about where we're obsessed with horrifying stuff as a people, as a culture. We're obsessed with the latest tragedy, the latest war, the latest, oh my God, did you hear about what happened to this person thing? We are addicted to suffering as humans. And it's really creepy to have that shoved in your face yeah for lack of a better word that's exactly what he does okay so um before we talk about saint gutfrey and his story um so before we talk about that um let's give what can only be described as an absolutely hilarious appeal score oh yeah (laughs) because i this is almost impossible. Can I, can I put mine first? Please. I want to say it's a mass appeal. I feel like everybody should read this book because it is apparently one of the most polarizing books ever. People yeah. are either going to love it or hate it. It's going to like, it's going to speak to some people. I was like, some people aren't going to make it past the first chapter. Absolutely. So I'm just like, try it. Yeah. See where you fall. Join the conversation <laughs> that's been going on for like over 10 years about this book and see where the heck you land in it. Um, I love that you said that because I think that, you know, push yourself, people. Maybe try to read something that you're like. Try it. Yeah, that you're like, oh, man. Um, 
I guess in my heart, I want to say that. But to be fair, I'm going to say general. I don't want to say niche because I I kind of like agree with the sentiment. Like, I don't want to scare people away from this. I want people to be warned. But I feel like this is a work of literary merit. Well, because here's the thing. If you if you put it into a niche, like what niche are you going to put it into? Because it's not straight up horror. It's not like a psycholo- It's not straight up psychological thriller. Mm-hmm. Or it can fit like where pe- it's like how much can you stomach and where can it fit? Right. It's like body horror <laughs> kind of. No, 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 this is uh, no, no. Okay, hold on. No, no, no. Okay, no. This is this is as niche as it gets. This no! is this is for people who are depraved, desensitized horror monsters like the two of you. <laughs> The one I I mean I can base it on the story that I read but no way. <laughs> no way. Well, I mean I don't think we're going to argue with that descriptor. Yeah. I almost DNF'd a short story. <laughs> okay, so what what he's talking about, what we promised we would tease before going into the spoilers is um guts, guts the chapter called Guts. Now, so this was of course a short story. Uh, really widely lauded, published in Playboy. Yes, it was. And that's, I think, where it started filtering into middle school and high schools yeah, for yeah. some unknown reason. Right. And because, I mean, we were talking about this, that we remember people talking about this yeah. story before we or, ever read like, it. I don't even know that I heard people talking about this story, but it was like the lore that's kind of like in this story. You kind of like got like bits of it, like someone who knew somebody who knew somebody yes. like that that happened to. It's it like, all yeah. happened because of that he wrote this story. Yeah, it's like an urban legend. Yeah. And, and it's an important part of um the fiction discussion in our generation i guess so what happened in the story (laughs) (laughs) i'm just gonna walk out no come back no this is the only one you read (laughs) all right all right all right oh my gosh you're reading wikipedia synopsis yeah so wikipedia because this book is broken into so many little stories and poems they um some genius on wikipedia put together a thing here where there's like a two-sentence situation uh descriptor of like every situation saint gutfree is the star of guts (laughs) that's what he's called throughout the book oh yeah scott didn't read the whole book he just read guts so he didn't know that he's called saint gutfree yeah all of the characters um are anonymous basically so they have funny names that are kind of telling about their stories mother nature miss america lady bag lady the earl of slander they're all hilarious yeah um so saint gutfree this is what it's (laughs) i know it's hilarious every time you read it in the book it makes you laugh Guts, according to Wikipedia, an abnormally skinny man who, following a masturbation accident involving a pool filter, lost part of his lower intestine. Yeah, that's like, that's the short (laughs) of it. (laughs) Scott's crying. (laughs) Okay, so I literally read this this short story 15 minutes ago. They forced me to. (laughs) And I was about three quarters of the way through the short story, as it turns out. And I said, I'm done. I can't. I closed the book. I was like, I'm done. They're like, no, 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 no. You have to read it. So I did. And I'll never forgive the the both of them. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? Someday you're going to be glad you did because it's going to come up in a book conversation with people and you will have a story. Or just like that little reference and you'll be like, oh, I know where that came from. Oh, yeah. Okay, he's he's not believing us. So you said that this was that this had like a um, uh, a cult 
like like almost creepy pasta following. I never yeah. heard about this in high school. This wasn't uh, something that oh. ever got to me. Well, I'm sorry. And especially <laughs> You've got a lot to say. So so you've actually seen someone give an audition with this as a monologue? People rehearsed it, I remember, and it's it's like a thing. Like people did this. Yes, absolutely. And in his afterward in the book, I think he mentions people doing it as a monologue too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's become very it was very, very popular, like when well, because that story was released before the book was released. Right, right. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's basically what happens. I think one of the big parts of the book that became sort of legend was the whole part with his sister. Yes. Yeah. Was that basically you could get pregnant from being (laughs) in a pool where somebody had ejaculated. Wait, so so that urban legend came from this book? I don't know if it did, but it kind of helped, I think, perpetuate it. Keep perpetuating it. Yeah. Which is like absolutely hilarious. On yeah, the, I mean that's not true, right? <laughs> no, it is absolutely not. It's, it's absolutely not true. No. Okay, yeah. See, I kind of no. fell for it a little bit. No, it is not true. I mean, chlorine kills everything, right? Right. Well, it's not even chlorine, honestly. It that just... that's it's that's not how sex works <laughs> or babies. <laughs> I have, I have, I have, I have a four-year-old. That's not how it works. <laughs> okay, perfect. I feel like it's officially debunked in my mind. Then, thank you, Jen. That's the real reason I had you on here <laughs> to tell you 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 can go go yeah. just go swimming. Just Everybody go swimming pools. It's fine. <laughs> um. So if you can make it through guts, which is definitely the most makes you want to puke. Well, because he's he has to chew through his own lower intestine. Yeah, is what happens, everyone. <laughs> And um, stuff comes out. Because do you know what happens through your lower intestine? I can tell you. <laughs> uh, digestion. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's gross. It's gross. It's not going to taste good. No. Um, and there's kind of... <laughs> saying gut-free is kind of um, a theme of kind of a weird porn sex masturbation addiction throughout his narrative, too. Yeah. So there's some of that. But the, the intestine's really the gross thing. Yeah, it's it's super gross. And now he has a very difficult life with eating as an adult. Well, like, because he has what? Um, like six inches of six intestine? Six inches of intestine, so nothing gets absorbed. And so um, basically, he's a stick man, like, because everything that yeah. he eats just goes right through him. So like, literally. he's constantly snacking. Yeah. So wait, is this presented as a true story? Yes. Yes. This yeah. happened to this man who is on this writer's retreat. Oh, Oh, oh no. <laughs> and it's kind of a running gag. And this gag. is a whole nother level for Scott. Yeah. <laughs> okay, can you tell me kind of what the what the meta plot is of well, this? Like what the idea is? So there's 23 people on a writer's retreat. He is the bus driver. He is taking, St. Gutfrey is driving all these people onto their writer's retreat. And then this is like when we get his story. He's the first story that we hear. That we're introduced to. So then when they get there, they uh, realize it's not all as glamorous as they'd hoped it would be. No. Um, They're in this really bizarre place, expected to write their masterpiece. and Have astronaut food. Yeah, they eat the weird, like, almost astronaut food, like MRE bags and stuff. Yeah, the foil bag. And yet all of this is not enough for them. They must just 
bitch, bitch, bitch and complain and try to make the situation worse. Well, because within a week, they have decided, well, none of them are going to try to write anything. They're just like, oh my gosh, we're, we're, we're held captive here. So now we have to turn this into our horror story. And how can we make this the worst horror story? So this is how we're going to make our millions when we get out. Yeah. We're going to be rescued. And because we've been tortured by this person who has captured us. And uh, peppered throughout is these short stories of, again, the most horrific things that they've done or have had done to them. And that's part of where the funny reflective bit comes in of like, we're just addicted to this suffering. Even Mm -hmm. though we go through all of this, we just make it work. It it gets real profound. It's good. It's good stuff. Yeah. All right. I'm going to say let's. Just go ahead and cut to spoilers again. Yeah. If you're not sure about this, that it's not for you, I don't want you to do anything you're not comfortable with, but I do hope some people want to go out of their comfort zone. And to everybody that's read it, um, stay tuned for this absolutely um, horrific, disgusting, disgusting discussion. Yes, absolutely. Enjoying the show? Please like and subscribe on iTunes. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Genre Junkies. And don't forget to visit the website, genrejunkies.com. Go first. What is that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Or did you say what? 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 Yeah. 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 Nasty. It's nasty. Nasty. Welcome back to the spoiler section. Let's go down the list and talk about some stories and some of the horrifying shit that happens. <laughs> it was so really much. nice to swear on the show. Oh, yeah. I mean, I swear. And, you know, sometimes Scott cuts me or sometimes he bleeps me. But in like my when I get passionate and fired up about a book or a movie, I swear. Oh, yeah. Because it feels good. It feels well, like the only verb that'll do with this. Great. With <laughs> this book, like you just need to like you just need to say it. Yeah, and it's so commonplace the way he swears and talks about things. Yeah. that it becomes a natural part of the discussion too. Well, and I think just in terms of the subject matter, it's kind of hard not to use like some of the more expletives. Like we could use some right. of the PC terms, but let's just not. Let's just not. <laughs> So, Brandon Whittier, uh, Mr. Whittier, our isn't he a fun character? Oh my <laughs> gosh. So, I mean, right off the bat, so he's our one that's, you know, put out the ad for the writer's retreat. He owns this theater. It's like very old man, very old. Yeah, in a wheelchair. But he's our captor, our jailer, who... Quote, is- unquote. But, I mean, he's honestly treated these people fine. They have enough food. Oh, it's yeah. It's warm. There's light. Like, they can create their work. They're just stuck here. They just decided to make it horrifying and increase their suffering because he knew they would. Yeah. They always do. He's done this before. Yeah, which you find out later. And... uh Kind of before even the halfway point of the book, yeah. he dies right. from turkey tetrazzini exploding <laughs> in his stomach. Oh, yeah. Very, very convenient. But it's all in act. But we all yeah. love, I, I mean, I loved his story. Did you love his first story? <laughs> Wasn't that just fun? <laughs> okay. Called Dog Years. So here, okay. So he fakes his death, uh, Mrs. Clark. Who's but right before he dies he tells us his story so he's kind of jigsaw like yeah he's alive actually the whole time this okay this whole setup reminds me so much of saw which is like one of my like i love it it's like at a yeah place in my heart it's a brilliant movie yeah yeah um but (laughs) okay 
So, Jen, why don't you tell us the crux? Who is Mr. Whittier, really? So, Mr. Whittier, like, his, when he's telling his story, you get this whole thing. It's like, he's this old man, and there's, he calls them his angels, who come visit him, and um, in, in his retirement home. But he's, yeah, because... He tells them all, well, he has progeria. Yeah. Which is a real disease. It's sometimes called the Jack disease, where you age backwards. Yeah. And suddenly you're like really old. So he tells all his angels he's 18 years old. Yeah. But even before that, even before he, yeah. Even before he gets to the progeria part, he's like, he's listening to like punk music and like dresses really young. And they're all like, oh, they all think he's just this like cute old man, like trying to relive, relive his youth. And then they, they, they come to find out, oh, yeah, no, he's really like 18. And they're like, they feel so bad for him. And so they try to like give him everything an 18 year old would want before he might be dying, including sexually. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then basically it uh, boils down to the fact that uh, sexual favors is what he wants. And he ends up getting them. And after that happens, uh, there or was it before or after? After, after. because it's blackmail. That's right. The blackmail sets in. Uh, he's actually only thirteen, so <laughs> and he tells them, "I want all this money from you because you just statutorily raped me." Yes. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. And he ruins these women's lives. <laughs> right. Basically. And I mean, they're all well-to-do, like, bored housewives who are doing the angel thing, like, trying to help out the elderly <laughs> to fill their time. But when really he's an absolutely disgusting sociopathic rapist himself. Yeah. But it's funny. It's Yeah. The way it's written is very, like... <laughs> Because, like, you know, the I don't know, it just goes through the narrative in the woman's mind of, like, wow, he's got some moves for an 18-year-old virgin. Yeah. And, the, and he's kind of asking me to do some Some, stuff. like, crazy stuff. And... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's disgusting. Yeah. He's horrifying. But then his stomach, quote-unquote, explodes. Yeah. And he's, quote-unquote, dead. Until he's not. And Until he, he's not. Uh, when the three yeah. months is over and he produces the key and lets everyone out. Yeah. Well, but we got there. We'll get there. So one of my favorite stories is that of Mrs. Clark, Tess Clark. Which one? She's got so many. Really, everything about her story story is so weird. So she's kind of Mr. Whittier's assistant, and the uh, captive writers, if you will, decide to paint her um, and Mr. Whittier as the devils of their story. Well, yeah. Well, once Mr. Whittier dies, they need a new villain. Yeah. So the one who's torturing them. Obviously, Miss Clark. Yeah. So Mrs. Clark is a, um, well, she was a housewife. And we learn her story. Again, she's one of my favorites. Um, Starts that she was a housewife who really, really wanted to have a baby. And they needed money. And so her and her husband. That story was so sad to me. Oh, it was heartbreaking. And like, it was sad. And it made me chafe. So her and her husband go to these extreme lengths to make themselves look like the most perfect porn stars you could. Um, She gets breast augmentations, lip, uh, all of it. They're ridiculously tanned to the point of being Oompa Loompa Orange. Like, 
everything and they make an amateur porn yeah and they go to watch it and it's absolutely the most disgusting thing they've ever seen well yeah but before that you you hear it's this huge narrative of them like how they spend their time like rehearsing and like watching porn and like trying to do these scenes and like going back and forth and like it's like this like week or two week long cycle of them basically just like having sex all the time and i'm like oh god that sounds painful it is painful and the painful the the pain the humiliation yeah the awkwardness all shows up on this movie yeah and they're like we do not look hot we do not look titillating we look disgusting yeah and her husband leaves her but she's pregnant mm-hmm. which is what they wanted because that was the whole point was to get enough money from the porn to get a baby yeah have a baby um so it's sad it's a kind of a be careful what you wish for scenario and then later this is where it gets into the nitty-gritty one of my favorite things she has a daughter named cassandra should we kind of just cut to Cassandra? Oh, because you love the Nightmare Box, didn't you? My favorite. That was your jam. My favorite is the Nightmare Box. <laughs> yeah. So Cassandra and Poster Child, this is all about, uh, what's her ass? Mrs. Clark. Mrs. Clark, yeah. Daughter. So her and her daughter are going on, they're fine as a two-people family. And they, and her daughter's very promising, Uh, cheerleader like cute smart yeah they go to a gallery opening where this man has a contraption called the nightmare box which was given to him well which he got from an antique shop that had closed and it's this weird little tripod black uh it's a black box on a tripod Mm -hmm. sorry i'm getting excited i'm having a hard time like saying my words it's this weird little contraption a black box on a tripod And it's kind of on a timer. And when the timer clicks off and there's silence, you peer through the box and you see something that changes your entire concept of reality. Already I'm hooked. This is exactly the type of stuff I love. (laughs) And you realize that everything you know is a lie. Waking world is a nightmare. Like reality is not what you thought it was. And her poor daughter looks at this. And it kind of drives you mad. She cuts off all her eyelashes, which is already just weird and horrifying. Right. And she ends up like kind of going missing and everybody, oh, she's the biggest tragedy because of course she is. She's a missing 15 year old girl. And then finally she wanders back and she's just bloody. She's mutilated. Someone played tic-tac-toe on her chest. Mm -hmm. She's, um... (laughs) Had things inserted inside of her. Well, and the great thing, the twist with that. She did it all to herself. Yeah. Because we're Fight Club, Chuck Palahniuk. Well, where was she? Well, she was at the writer's retreat. At the writer's retreat. Because this is not the first time he's done this. She was the big winner. Yeah. The winner, winner, chicken dinner. And she was never bothered by anything ever again in the hospital room. People didn't believe that she did it to herself. And she's like, I did. And she tells her mother, I can't relate to you anymore because you're obsessed with suffering. She won the game. She broke the game. (laughs) And her mother could not handle it. Yeah. Because now she's like this 
living statue that cannot relate to any other human being because she literally broke out of human suffering. And her mother decides to kill her with sleeping pills. Yep, yep. And then uh, then the police catch on and her mom is out on the lamb. And that is where she finds the writer's, the writer's retreat again. And she wants to know what happened to her daughter. Yeah. So she has all these multi-layered interests in it. For me, this was the best example of what he's trying to convey in this story. Yeah. It was brilliant. The most, it was the most like realized and layered and I mean because they had the most pages to tell it. Yeah. Yeah. And develop it. I mean everyone else only had like a story. Yeah. So. Um I'm glad you liked it too. Is it one of your favorites too? Um I I enjoyed it. I wouldn't say it was my one of my favorites. Huh. I think it worked really well huh. to no, I not that it's not like not one of my favorites. I it floats somewhere in the middle for me. It really it ties so well into the meta plot. Yeah. I almost think of it more as building into that than its own individual story. Okay, that's a good argument. So there's Mother Nature. Oh, God. <laughs> this is a funny one. This is kind of a funny one. I I mean this one honestly did not like grab not that it didn't grab me i i enjoyed it it was kind of fun to read yeah but it didn't like disgust or surprise or shock me really me neither, I, i've heard of this before yeah some people will be grossed out by it definitely or shocked. i mean i don't like people touching my feet anyways but but we get pedicures so yep. you can't hate it that much girl <laughs> i know but <laughs> so- I, pay, I pay them and well these people pay her too <laughs> Um, she does she does reflexology, which is a prostitution-based touching of the feet to make people have the most unreal orgasms yeah, of like their life. Yeah, like you're going to be passed out for like two days after you have this orgasm. All by laying hands on the feet. Yeah. And she started out as a hippy-dippy, cool massage therapist lady, and then she kind of turned into this thing. Wait, is, is this the thing they do at the mall? <laughs> <laughs> Up on the up on the window. Maybe. Well, depends on who you get. Sign me up. (laughs) Oh, so she kind of becomes this jet setter traveling around the world, giving these foot jobs. Foot job. It's called a foot Foot job job. to all these people, and she and they're like really like high ranking, like like dignitaries and magnates, and uh, she ends up working for the Russian mob doing Mm -hmm. this, and she burns them, and she's on the run. Yeah. So it's it's one of the funny ones. Of course it's going to shock and appall some people, but it's it's really for laughs. Yeah, totally. And then uh, basically the the turnabout comes is, you know, basically everybody who's graduating from reflexology school is getting into foot jobs now. So now the the market is oversaturated with <laughs> foot jobs and you can't make a living. And so the new thing is basically to be like a foot assassin. Yes. And so the girl who hooked her up with doing foot jobs uh, does an assassination. Yeah. And she like bears witness to it. And uh, <laughs> then she becomes a target for the <laughs> Russian mob. It's so silly. Yeah. It's so silly. And I mean, when you're dealing with all this heaviness, again, anything can be offensive to somebody. And I am sensitive to that fact. But it is nice to have some levity. Yeah. Like this. Which there are there are a few. I know I know my favorite. 
So the next story is Lady Bag Lady. Oh, that's kind of an interesting one. So this one is um, one that I enjoyed, but I felt, honestly, if I'm being honest, it, it ran a little long. It, it was a lengthy story. Um, and it's about how she and all these other old money people... They are so bored with all of the black tie charity affairs and being just disgustingly rich that they decide to masquerade as homeless people. It's called slumming. Because when you're homeless, you can pee in public. You can have sex in public. You can be as absolutely weird and disturbing as you want and people will avoid you like the plague. Yeah. If you smell bad, look bad, like people just like turn the other cheek. They don't want to look at you like you're invisible. So they find this weird sort of freedom. Now, the message, the societal satirical bent of this, this was... One, this one had a very big... <laughs> yeah. It was not lost on me, and I yeah. enjoyed it, but I felt like it ran long. Yeah. I see that. And then I, I, I didn't even need the whole, like... I mean, I know I, I it needed it because that's how they stopped, was the whole, like, they, they witnessed a Brazilian heiress being kidnapped and things like yeah. that, but they couldn't track down these homeless people who saw it because it was, like, her and her husband, and then, like... Like, what, no, no, was it her husband that died? Yeah, and she yeah. had him made into a big fat diamond <laughs> Yeah, she wears on her finger now. So she's on the lam. She's another one that's on the run. The Earl of Slander was... Ooh, that was a good one. That's one of my favorites for sure. Um, Really disturbing, really disturbing stuff. Yeah. He's a reporter who murders a former child star... Uh, to frame him for collecting child pornography so that he can write a Pulitzer Prize winning piece about it. Yeah. So basically, <laughs> it's so, it is actually really sad because it's he ha- funny and he, sad and horrifying because he has this dog that he really loves and the dog keeps getting sick. And this is actually how he found the child star is because he takes him to his, this vet. And it's the only vet that would see him <laughs> for his dog. And he finds it. He's like, you look so familiar. And he, re- he recognizes him as this child star. And then he's like, oh, I need to tell this story of this child. Where is this child star gone from like my childhood and everything like that? And basically his publishers tell, tell him this isn't interesting enough. No. Unless he's like overdosed or has kitty porn or both. Something weird. Yeah. Because that is what we as a society remember. And what we glob onto is when people are scandalized and especially scandalized in death. Yeah. And it sucks because this guy was like the nicest, yeah. like little vet ever. And he was so happy with his life. And it it entails um some really gross depictions of child pornography, yeah. too. Like yeah. some disturbing shit. Because... The more disturbing it is, the more recoiling it is, the more people chomp it up. Yeah, and and basically this guy, like, uses his dog to get to him and, like, puts it all on his computer so he can win his Pulitzer. Horrifying. Yeah. There we go. Director of Denial. One of my favorites. This one, okay, this one ranks as probably one of the most that, like, struck for me. Like, as one of the most disturbing stories disturbing and also made me laugh so hard sometimes i'm sorry it did it did no i i felt so much connection to this story um and you also found this to be one of the most disturbing yeah but so funny i don't know i don't i would not call this one my funny ones Uh, this one was one of like i i'm a monster (laughs) this one is tough dude like if you've got kids this one is tough so (laughs) 
Director Denial shows up with a cat named Cora Reynolds, which is only a two-human name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cora Reynolds was a woman she worked with at the police department who was a social worker who, um, <laughs> God, I feel horrible laughing. Okay, hang on. Let me tell then. Okay, fine, because I can't say without laughing. It's weird and it's gross. It's freaking disgusting is what it is. So. Ooh. basically no so what happened was so cora reynolds worked at the police station and what once a year once every six months or so they had to do their cpr training so they had the dummy for cpr training it's like betty breathless yeah what i can't remember what they named it um and so they pull it out and they're doing their their drills so like somebody's pushing on the chest somebody's like blowing on it and they're like they're like, oh, something's like stuck in here. And something's like, somebody's like, oh my gosh, it smells so awful. And so like pushing down on their chest and it like something oozes out. It's full of spermatozoa. Yeah. Like a lot of sperm. <laughs> Men have been using this they, thing to ejaculate well, it. Too. And then, they, yeah, they find out, they do tests on it and find out that like... Lots of men have been ejaculating into this very realistic looking uh, breathless Betty or whatever it is. And um, so the uh, Cora Reynolds rescues Betty, like takes her home, redoes her makeup, like she sits with her, cleans her up. And I loved that she took her in. I felt such a kinship to the (laughs) Cora Reynolds. I really felt like I could be Cora Reynolds. Right. Um, she notices the anatomically detailed dolls that they use for like kids who have been abused um, or like their buttons are starting to fall off and things like that. And so she's like, well, we need to get some new ones. And she gets anatomically correct dolls, not anatomically detailed dolls. And so they come, they're in crates when they're delivered. They are 70 pound silicone child sex dolls. Yeah, from, from the- Russia. From the former Soviet Union. <laughs> they're, they're the cheapest ones she could find. She thought she was getting... A deal. A deal. And she is horrified. Yeah. She sees them and she's just like, oh my gosh. She knows immediately that she made a mistake. But Director Denial's like, we're using the dolls. I don't care. We got them. It's fine. Yeah. And then it starts happening. Everybody wants to start using the dolls for quote unquote cases. And the dolls keep going out and they keep coming back disheveled, filled with pierced and filled with uh, ejaculate. Yeah. In their mouth, in their body parts, their orifices. Yeah. Everything. Everything. Because these, because people are disgusting and they're using them for sex dolls. And then, so. Again, director denial is like, totally like, yeah. People are gross. Again, yeah, she's totally in denial. denial. Yep. And then you've got Cora Reynolds, who was like, she starts fighting back. She does some she puts wonderful some, stuff. There's some crab lice in those dolls. She and, puts razor blades up. Oh my oh, god, the razor blades glue, glue stuff shut. But they pry that open. She puts razor blades yeah. up there. Ooh, she's good because yeah. she's getting back at these disgusting men. Who but it work doesn't there. stop them. That's no. the crazy part. And it keeps going. And it all keeps going until the point where. So Cora Reynolds is a soft heart. She can't she can't leave a stuffed animal alone on a couch or, or in a store. Yeah. Because she's like, no, it needs a home. Right. Or anything that's missing an eye. And director denial's like, you need to stop buying disheveled stuffed animals with the corporate budget. Well, yeah, because she'd give them to the kids. That was her thing. And she'd keep a lot of them. Yeah. So Cora Reynolds. She packs up Breathless Betty. She packs up, up the her, ch- two her two kids. Her two kids. 
and takes off takes off and she takes out people with her and she kind of Thelma and Louise is their way out uh-huh. of that situation with like a whole like police barricade like following her and yeah she's just like out ends her life and the life of her family these yeah. rubber people um brilliant absolutely brilliant disturbing disgusting and funny i liked this vigilante woman i, I thought i she liked was her rad. too she didn't make me laugh mostly because it was so disgusting that like these police officers these people like you want in like that are in power like these are child dolls yeah these are disgusting. not like this is not like just some like breathless betty it's not breathless be- betty like i don't care get your kick somewhere else as gross. I love that we have discord about this, but we both really loved it. I, I did love it. Yeah, totally. Um, Reverend Godless is worth a mention. He and his buddies got out of the military. They had a hard time making money. Oh, that was kind of a fun They little- dress in drag and let hillbillies beat the crap out of them because they take drugs so they don't feel anything. Yeah, that was kind of fun. Yeah. Um, hilarious. And he's a funny, dry, sarcastic character. I liked him. Yeah. No. The Matchmaker was another one of my weird favorites. Oh, I loved that story. That story was like weirdly uplifting for me. Yeah. Like, yeah, because it was that POW case. So he starts out as kind of a creep. He proposed to a girl and she didn't want to marry him because she wanted to be with some really handsome model type guy. And he's kind of a cowboy farmer type. And uh, so he hires a male prostitute to court her and like, you know, gratify her beyond her wildest dreams and then dump her in like the most cruel way and call her a slut and ruin her life so that he can catch her on the rebound and be like, see, I was the kind guy waiting in the wings. Yeah. So like he's a so like he's a total creep. But this is the part that I liked of his story is um, there's a family joke where they make the I can't make the sound. Yeah, sound like you're hawking, like you're spinning. <laughs> That's pretty good. You're pretty good at it. And it's a family joke. And it turns out that this joke um, is all of his uncles served in World War II in the same regiment. And they were captured and they were forced to work in a death camp. Horrifying. And there was a really cruel Nazi director there. And he would make gypsy women that he found attractive give him blowjobs. Mm-hmm. Before slitting their throats, yeah. right when he would come. Yeah, right before he came, he'd slit their throats. So that was the shh sound. And one day, this absolutely disgusting, horrible rapist Nazi, it's definitely okay to hate him because he's a Nazi, he accidentally castrates himself. Yeah, because uh, he goes a little too deep with the knife, and I, or she was throating him too deep, I don't yeah. know. They kind of imply it was because she was throating him. Yeah, yeah. and he... <laughs> It castrates himself off his own deck. Yeah. Yeah. And him doing that, because his uncles never knew if they were going to be next. They had to clean up the bodies from all the death camps at at gunpoint. They never knew if they were going to live or die. So by this director doing that, it saved their lives. Because when the band bled out rapidly, um, another director stepped up who was less cruel. Saved their lives. So that sound becomes a family joke. Yeah. Sometimes... Horrifying shit can save your life. Mm-hmm. Love it. I know. It's great. It was, I, like I said, weirdly uplifting. <laughs> really weirdly uplifting. Sound, sounds like a hoot. <laughs> this was a cool one that I think would make a good horror movie, is Sister Vigilante. Oh, my God. I love those. No, so this one made me laugh it's a hilarious. lot. 
It was so funny. So rogue vol- rogue bowling balls. Yes. So as someone who worked in a thrift store for two years, I could say we would get a lot of bowling balls or people would try to pawn them off on us. And we're like, no, 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 no. Because nobody wants bowling balls because nobody buys them. And they're heavy and they're obnoxious and they sit around forever. But somebody got really into bowling for a while and they wanted to buy a bowling ball. So Sister Vigilante, he's kind of a religious woman. Yeah. She decides that she's going to clean up. The city, the the crime that's going on. And what better way? There's no, there is no, it is, I guess, been proven that there is no lower crime rate in a city than when there is a serial killer or some sort of killer on the loose. Right. And he names all these big serial killer franchises, if you will, throughout history that, you know, everybody was kind to each other. People stayed inside. Yeah. Petty crime went down because nobody wanted to get killed by the serial killer or be accused of being the serial killer by being out on the street. So she lobs bowling balls (laughs) at people. Randomly down the street. And grotesquely kills people. Breaks off faces. Hilarious. Collapses rib cages. (laughs) And all in the name of the greater good. Well, and the great thing about when you're reading this particular story is you don't even know that it's bowling balls that are killing people because you just it it comes off as like almost this supernatural thing that's happening. Like this cleansing. This, this thunder. You just hear this thundering sound and then you're like smashed into a wall because you don't see it coming because she has like all these dark dark colored bowling balls i'm guessing she's getting like black balls or whatever and hurling them down the street and you can't see it coming you just hear it and then it like smashes you and you're dead and so it's become (laughs) like it's become this supernatural thing it's hilarious that it's just like this vigilante woman hurling bowling balls some people and grotesquely murdering them yeah i love Um, it Chef Assassin. Oh, God, this one made me laugh so much. This is another one of my favorites. It starts out as he's this chef, and he's writing a product letter to accompany these knives, saying, like, man, these knives are fantastic. the best And then he kind of starts getting into critics and how bad critics are and how harsh and so hard it is to be a chef in this world with keyboard warriors. And, you know, (laughs) any profession, I think, can relate to that. And it turns out he... um. He kills food critics with these knives. Yep. Anyone who gives. And he is now blackmailing the knife company. Yeah. Uh, to say, well, you wouldn't want it to get out that there is this uh, serial killer out killing people with your brand of knives. Like for the mere sum of what, what was it? Like, I think it was $5 million. Yeah. Uh, we could say it was your competitor's brand that is killing <laughs> But it's this yeah. very civilized and, letter, and, and it's is, hilarious. He's even willing to negotiate yeah. for a million dollars. Like, he'll say, uh, if he gets caught, he'll definitely say it was the competitor's brand. Yeah. Yeah. So he just basically wants to relocate and start his chef life over in a new country. <laughs> and it's like, wow, you are insane. But hilarious. But hilarious. <laughs> uh, yeah. I that And that one just came out of, I think, the perfect point in the book where I was just like, I needed a real, like, comedic break. And it yeah. It's just like the jet. Oh, but he still describes killing people and yeah. it's gross. Yeah, it is gross, but it's really funny because it's in this very like uh, this letter that's very uh, civil. So Comrade Snarky oh. was hard. It was tough. And it was supposed to be. Well, yeah, especially if you are um, 
either in the LGBT community or like a, a woman. Huge, yeah, or a woman or just any sort of like supporter of. Of, yeah, trans folk. Yeah, I mean, technically there wasn't even a trans person in this, but it was, I mean, well, the question mark was we given. We don't know. It's true. So, so Comrade Snarky is um, part of a group of women that meets in a woman's bookstore as an as a chance to get away from men for a while and they kind of they do crafts or whatever they hang out they talk and a lot of them have been abused or all of them well like- and the the interesting thing with Com- uh comrade snarky is she never was her mom had put it into her head like watch like let me know if your dad ever does x y and z to you but he never did and so she was just like always on she spent her entire life on high alert that men are going to get her yeah now, which never came to fruition so and some of so- the some of the women in the club had been hurt by men and then others of them are like every female i know literally in life who has been oogled who has been groped who has been paid less than a man you know they're all all of us these real world situations that happen to women that are like i've been unfairly treated by a man so they all get together and they meet and a person shows up who wants to join the club and they don't believe she is a biological female. They're like, it's fine that you're trans. You just can't be here because this is a safe space for women. And it's, it's because she looks like too perfectly, like trying too hard to be a perfect female. Yeah. And they they basically rape her. Yeah. They fondle her. They touch her genitals. They attack her. Yeah. Um, Against her absolute will, of course. Uh, because they're trying to humiliate her and prove that she's not a real woman. And it's horrifying. Yeah. And in retrospect, Comrade Snarky knows that it was wrong. Yeah. And she's really the only one, one of the only ones who admits that they did something to deserve this hell. Yeah. And I, I... I don't want to say I admire her for that, but it's interesting that there's a couple of people who are like, I did wrong and I deserve this. She's one of them. Yeah, totally. Really hard to read, though. That one was like, yeah, that one is, it is really tough. Yeah, it is a tough one to read. She's just like, she's so objectified in that book. Yeah. Um, Oh, I liked. Oh, this was one of my favorites. Okay, so Countess Foresight. That so- was such a fun. I could like. I loved it. Okay. Um. So she's a psychic. She goes to an antique store and she can touch items and learns about them. Yeah. And so, like, I guess that's sort of her thing to do is like she just likes to go and like touch the different items and like feel their energies and things like that. And so, uh. So, yeah, so she basically goes to this one really particular antique store where you have to basically give them, like, your purse, your coat, everything, because they don't want you to put anything in your pockets. And she, like, goes around, wants to touch everything, and she's about to leave, and she sees something in a curio cabinet behind the counter, and the um, this guy... The proprietor. The proprietor... Spin- he claims. ...spins this huge story, and I, I loved this story. I thought it was fantastic. That's mm-hmm. what made this for me was uh, this story about how it is uh, Marilyn Monroe's um, basically aborted child. Yeah. In a jar. In a jar. And he spins it all elaborately. Oh, yeah. Basically, so like, you know, because her death has a lot of mystery around it anyways. Um, and basically saying that she went to the studio heads 
after she was about to, she after she found out that she was going to be recast for the movie um and uh basically told them okay well if uh if you recast me and i i can't remember what she wanted specifically but um she threatened to uh kill herself and they're like okay well then kill yourself because then we're just gonna make a ton of money because all your movies are gonna be immortalized because everybody loves you and she's like yes but after i die then i'm gonna set up a foundation the marilyn monroe foundation and it's gonna uh be giving money to like the ku klux klan and like all these like horrible organizations and so she's like i'll just be known as this monster in history because every everything any royalties from my movies that's where the funds will go to these like terrible organizations an interesting way to paint an american icon of hollywood yeah 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 interesting yeah and so uh, she felt like this like need like she like needed this baby and this like to rescue artifact yeah and so she kills the antique shop owner and when she puts her hands on the jar she realizes well she drops it oh she drops it so she has to touch it yeah it's fake it's a doll's head he totally like spun this huge like false story to try because how much how much money did he ask for it it was oh, a it was lot. elaborate yeah yeah and she was trying to like come up with it yeah. at, for a minute and then she realized she couldn't and then yeah and you know what the illusion that i got is that all these different items she was touching it was almost like he had killed people yeah and this is all their stuff that he was selling did you get that yeah implication well, i almost thought he was like one of the studio people there yeah he was he was wicked so yeah. she kind of did a service yeah but she did kill somebody and she actually has a, a bracelet monitor yeah. now she's on parole yeah but i i enjoyed that one that was one of my favorites um, Miss Sneezy was a weird one. Yeah, because uh, you, I, well, she was, she was the one that could be saved. Right, so she has a weird incurable disease, um, that she claims that she has this chronic sinus problem that infects and kills people. And she had to live kind of in this weird bubble world. But here's the thing, nobody else was sick. Yeah. I don't believe her. I don't know. I don't know. Well, you know, like basically her and her dad were grave robbers, though. Right. So that was not, that yeah. was kind of the fun part of yeah, her the story. Fun, weird, morbid humor. Part well, because that's how she got her incurable disease. So basically, like, I can't I can't remember what they called her disease, but it, it came from this town. Keegan's disease. Yeah. New yeah. Keegan or whatever. And so she got it. And um her and her dad like he what what did she call her dad she, she said he wasn't very smart but he was good at making money yeah or something like that and so he would go and like they'd be like grave robbers basically yeah. and so they went to this like a really old town where like everybody died within like a month and then on the way back from the town her dad like they're selling off all the goods at this like general store that they got her dad like falls down dead yeah and she's fine. And then she meets a little boy who apparently gets the same incurable disease that she has. So it was a weird one because I don't know what's true and what's not. Yeah. But it was an interesting story. It was. Um. So, yeah, definitely. I think the grossest, weirdest, most disturbing things is the overall plot that ties everything together. Yeah. 
because eventually they need to keep creating new tragedies. They purposefully spoil the food. They cut off heat. They cut off cold. They cut off the toilets. The toilets. They do anything. They, um, yeah, they, a few people like uh, sabotage the washer and dryer. Anything they can do to make this torment even worse. And, and then they start mutilating. Yeah, cutting off fingers. Toes. Toes. Pulling off fingernails. Prying off fingernails. Prying off fingernails. That was the grossest to me. The description of digging in and popping off fingernails. Yeah, and they would just do it so casually. Like, they were just sitting there like, popping off my fingernails. Because they were all trying to outdo each other of, like, who was the worst mate. Well, then, and they were like, oh, and then we need a romantic story. And St. Gutfree was like, oh, can I be the romantic? And they're like, Miss Sneezy, you'd be good. <laughs> so... They have this ridiculous romantic subplot, and then it's like, well, Mr. Whittier raped me. Well, he raped me first. And like, uh, yeah, which is nothing anybody should ever use. I mean, none of this is anything anybody well, and should ever use. And then they started raping themselves. With objects. Yes. My favorite thing was, in an homage to his story, the matchmaker, this whole freaking time, he's trying to get up the guts to cut off his own dick. Oh, and, yeah. Oh, my God. It was hilarious. And finally, a couple of them goad him into it. And of course, he dies, like, immediately. Which is blood kind loss. of ironic, given his story. Exactly. He was mimicking his story. But really, the only reason they wanted him to go is because he was hogging the butcher knife. Oh, can we say, though, I think one of the grossest things was, um, whose ass did they eat? Oh, my God. That was so <laughs> fucking funny. Oh, oh, um, my, oh my no, God. No, who, who, no, who was it? She fainted. Comrade so, Snarky. Co comrade, okay. comrade Snarky fainted, and they thought she was dead. Miss America said she was dead, yes. and she was a liar because Miss America wanted to eat. Yeah. She she said she did she she said she was dead like four times yeah and so then Chef Assassin started butchering her butt Literally. and then like and the only steak. source they have to cook anything is the microwave and so then they they cut it up they start eating her butt <laughs> they, she comes downstairs then, then Comrade Snarky walks downstairs and she's like you guys have meat you guys have food yeah and they let her, her eat her own ass yes. And then she like sits down and she realizes she's bleeding and, she, and it hurts. <laughs> she, she and then she looks at her plate and sees a rose, which is a tattoo she had on her ass. And she even hilariously says, "You people, let me eat my own ass," <laughs> or something to that extent. I could not oh my stop laughing. And of course, she dies because she's bleeding. Like yeah, she's bleeding out. And uh, Miss America. Well, she was the one that wanted that meat. Yeah. They they eat other people who die too. Right. But she um as soon But they as don't she, have a refrigerator, so You gotta eat it fast. You gotta like plan your deaths <laughs> accordingly. And uh they uh they talk about how lucky people in the Donner Party are, throwback to our last book. Yeah. And also that rugby team who crashed in the Andes. <laughs> True. Because they had coal to refrigerate their meat. <laughs> um Anyway, so Miss America, they they basically rip out her unborn baby yeah. when her water breaks, make a baby stew. Yeah. She eats the baby stew. And then when she dies, they eat her. Everybody's getting, if you die, you're going to be eaten. Yeah. And uh, Mrs. Carter stabs herself to death in the stomach. And I, who is it? Is it Director Denial eats her leg? I think so. Yeah. And they eat Cora Reynolds the cat. Oh, yeah. Cora Reynolds. <laughs> 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 
it it is absolutely disgusting and depraved the lengths that people go to to in order to be the biggest victim yeah yeah that was the yeah that they That's, they wanted to have like the worst story about who was tortured the most and who had it the worst yeah they they were thinking about you know like how it was going to play out cinematically for their movie cuz they you know <laughs> they want all the big golden globe i mean academy award winners to play them they want to be on all the talk shows and they're even like well you know fame will peter out but i'll be on every game show for the rest of my life yeah like they're disgusting fame whores and they're addicted to suffering which is kind of the message of all all people are want to be famous and want to suffer and it's why we create wars it's why we do everything bad is because we're addicted to human suffering I don't know. Either you love this like I did and Jen did, or you think this is like insane. Yeah. Hearing you two talk about this. Okay. <laughs> Hearing you two talk about this, this is this is more than I'm able to handle. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, we're kind of throwing it at you. Yeah, it's a lot. There's a lot of humor in the book. <laughs> it's know, a very funny. Like, like this is this is horrendous to me just listening to you talk about third hand about what happened in this book. <laughs> I, I could not have read this book. I mean, of all the horrible things, and there are many, I think the weirdest thing for me, it's kind of like with the last book we read, The Hunger. Cannibalism is so taboo, and it's so weird, and it's so uncomfortable. And every time I read about it, it made my stomach ache. Except for this one. (laughs) Well, no, in this book. But I loved it. I loved it. It might have helped that these people are like extra super terrible and like who yeah. cares if they die? Not who cares, but you know, who cares? But who cares? Um, well, we got to talk about the end too, the very yes. end. Because that's just sort of the nail in the coffin of the book. So at the end, when Mr. Whittier comes through and produces the key, he tells Miss Sneezy, well, he tells everybody who's laughed, like, okay, let's go. Yeah, and you can Ms. go. Sneezy, he's like, I think we could have a love affair. Yeah, like we could be together. It'd be okay. And all the others are like, the hell you will, because then she'll be the famous one. Yeah. And basically how it ends is they pull her back into the theater and then put some sort of thing into the lock so that they are blocked back into the theater. Until they kill her. They stab her through the heart. Yeah. Well, though, her, but like yeah. they lock themselves back into the theater, though. Yep. All the remaining survivors. Yeah, until somebody can find them who is not him. He cannot be the savior. So there's a part near the end of the book, this quote that I really liked. If we can forgive what's been done to us, if we can forgive what we've done to others, if we can leave all of our stories behind, our being villains or victims, only then can we maybe rescue the world. Good one. That's kind of the theme. Yeah. Under all this humor, under all this depravity, under all of this disgusting stuff, there's this message. And I just really picked up what he was laying down. I want to read everything he's ever written now because I am now obsessed with him. Damn. Yeah. I know. And this is the girl who was like, I was like, oh, yeah, let's read some Chuck. And she's like, no, I hate Chuck. (laughs) Yeah. It's the worst thing ever. (laughs) I just didn't like how overdone it seemed to me and how full of itself. But I think that's more the movie than his concept. No, he always does like a lot of... um I've read a few of his books and it's a lot of shock value. 
there. But, like, with a purpose. But Yeah, but there's, yeah, there's always, like, an underlying, like, theme and message that he's trying to get across. And the thing I like about it is that it doesn't, like, it's there. It's really prevalent if you're looking for it. But it doesn't really beat you over the head with it. Like, you don't have to, like, buy into it if you don't want to. But it is there. There's a whole weird story, too, near the end, unrelated to anything. Oh, God, About the death of death and how people have decided to carry out their own deaths in uh, that mass was, that, that felt so discombobulated i to wanted me. this to be its own thing so people are carrying yeah. out their own deaths because they we find that death is not the end and in fact you like get to go live on venus yeah and like have a whole other life i feel like this book did not need that that could have totally been its own brilliant book yeah yeah it was its own like weird like sci-fi universe that he needs to try another book on but i i don't think like i get why he put it in here but i don't think it belonged really there was i mean there was parts of it that i liked that were um uh relevant yeah no it was it wasn't like completely out of left field or anything but i just i didn't feel like we really needed it there's a quote from it that i really liked though i'm gonna read it you can keep this or cut this i don't care She's gonna Here was the new age spiritual equivalent of any fix-all idea, from the metric system to the euro, to polio vaccinations, Christianity, reflexology, Esperanto, and it couldn't have come at a better time in history. Pollution, overpopulation, disease, war, political corruption, sexual perversion, murder, and drug addiction. Maybe there weren't any worse than they've been in the past. And now we had television carping about them. A constant reminder. A cultural complaint. A bitch, bitch, bitch. Most people would never admit it, but they've been bitching since the day they were born. Loved that so much. Well, yeah, it's very reminiscent of everything you hear in the... And the whole theme of the book. Yeah. Just bitch, bitch, bitch. Mm -hmm. Because what would we do if we didn't have enemies, if we didn't have villains, if we didn't have everything to complain about? Yeah, exactly. If there was always, like, something against us. In his afterword, there's another part that I wanted to reference as well. I did not read the afterword. Oh, please go back and read it. (laughs) I'm obsessed. I read every forward, every afterword, everything, because I take so much more out of the book when I get to do that. And And in this afterword, Chuck writes... And Guts is by no means the darkest or funniest or most upsetting story from the novel Haunted. Some I didn't dare read in public. These are the places that only books can go. This is the advantage that books still have. This is why I write. Thank you for reading my work. Oh, there you go. I agree. There's stuff that you could never put in a movie because it would just be too much for shock. Yeah. Without the substance. Yeah. Well, there's like something to be said for what you can like leave to the imagination in a book. Always worse. Yeah. Jen, thank you for joining me on this absolutely disgusting, grotesque, (laughs) yet weirdly heartwarming and uplifting story of depravity and horror. Perfect for the holidays right now. Most magical (laughs) time of the year. (laughs) Scott, thanks for uh, listening to this. Yeah, uh, I have... I've ignored most of it. I've tried to plug my ears for a lot of it, but yep, I'm here. I hope a lot of you weird, depraved sickos enjoy this as much as we did. So take this book and please read it past your bedtime.
volume up on this because I think you're trying to because I forgot that I had this one turned down because um, like you're pushing it. They're pu- you're pushing into the mic, and I want to make sure you knew you're pushing. I'm pushing with my brilliance. Push your man. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think you need to keep that and show people what a diva I really am. <laughs> <laughs> with my brilliance. 